My name is uh, Dan, and I have the privilege of serving as, as youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. And uh, I want to just get one thing on record. Just get it on record make sure you guys are aware of it. Believe it or not, I am not a teenager. I actually am the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. Maybe it's because most eighth grade boys are taller than me. Maybe it's because most guys can grow, like senior high guys can grow a beard better than I can. But believe it or not, I actually am the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. I have the privilege of uh, being able to visit some of the local high schools. And I was visiting with some students uh, uh, a couple months ago, and I was in the hallway talking with them. And uh, the teacher, she sticks her head out the door and says, you get back to class, you guys. And so, of course, the young men just kind of leave me standing there. So they skedaddle. I'm just kind of put in that awkward position of, I'm not a teen, so what do I do? Do I go to a classroom? I, I thought about actually going to a classroom. Okay, I'll just, I'll just pick a classroom. You want me to go to a classroom? I'll just pick a classroom. And so I just nicely said, hey, just want you to know something. I'm not a teenager. I'm actually a pastor. Her jaw dropped a little bit. She's like, oh, you're a pastor? Uh, but then she said, hey, thanks for doing what you're doing. And I was able to kind of go on my way and head back to the cafeteria and talk to some, some other, some, to, excuse me, to, to some other students. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, today about what it means to reach uh, this next generation. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be an authentic, genuine believer uh, in Christ. Um, when I say the word teenager, what image pops into your brain? What, what thoughts crop up? Okay, I say teenager. Some of you might be thinking teenager. That must mean a bunch of barbaric, carnivorous young people. Don't show fear because if they sense it, they'll take full advantage. Well, I hope we're going to be able to break some stereotypes, not only about teenagers, uh, but about what it means to reach this next generation for the Lord. I'd encourage you to turn in your, uh, your Bibles to the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 71, that's where we're going to be picking it up. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be uh, genuine, what it means to be authentic in your relationship with Jesus. Teenagers call this being for real. And so we're going to be for real today. You guys ready to be for real? For real, for real? Okay, three people are ready to be for real today. We're going to be for real today. We're going to talk about what it means to be authentic, what it means to be genuine, and we're going to be for real. If you need a Bible, let me encourage you to raise your hand. Our ushers will place a Bible in your hand. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift uh, from Grace Community Church uh, to you. Uh, We're going to be looking at Psalm 7118. Uh, I pray that this will be the, the cry of your heart this morning as we look about what it takes to reach the next generation for the Lord. Psalm 71, verse 18. Let me encourage you to stand if you're in the main or the link. And uh, we're going to read this out loud together. Psalm 71, verse 18. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. You may be seated. Many of you guys might have already like, checked out of this message. You're thinking to yourself, oh, the next teenagers, I don't have any teenagers. I'll just let them do their thing. You know, it's not a big deal. Little kids, whatever. Uh, let me encourage you. Is your heart cry the same of the psalmist? No matter how old you get, no matter how gray you get, will you do what it takes to reach the next generation? Is that the cry of your heart? 
Just one more person for Jesus. Just one more generation for Jesus. God, let me live to see this next generation to love and to follow you. If you think that you're too old to work with young people, maybe you're not hip enough. The only thing hip about you is that you have a bad hip or something like that. If you don't think that you can work with young people, research has, has shown that if you get a bunch of teenagers in a room with some adult youth workers, over time, teenagers will naturally gravitate to the oldest person in the room. They will naturally gravitate to the oldest person in the room, and here's the reason why. is because older individuals have stories to share with teenagers, and young people love to hear stories. You have stories to share about what God has done in your life and teenagers want to hear those stories. Will you be an individual to share your story about what God has done with the next generation? Let me share a quick story with you. There are two young teenagers and uh, they're on the beach and uh, they had the day off. So they head out to the beach and uh, there's a storm off the coast. And so it pushed a, a lot of current and waves uh, to, to the shore and uh, a bunch of starfish, a lot of starfish got washed up on shore. And so, I mean, the shore is full of hundreds of thousands of starfish. And so one of the teenagers picks up a starfish, looks at it, throws it back in the ocean. Takes a couple more steps. Picks up a starfish, looks at it, throws it back in the ocean. The other teenager is thinking to himself, this is kind of weird. Number one, they're just starfish. And number two, there are hundreds of thousands of starfish. What are you doing? You can't save all of them. So he tells the young man, What are you doing? You're not going to be able to save all these starfish. The young man takes another step, reaches down, grabs a starfish, looks at it, points to the other other teenager and says, it mattered to this one, didn't it? And throws it back into the ocean. You see, you you might not be able to to save every young person in the world. You might be able to save every kid in El Carcani. But the person and the teenager and the life that you touch, it matters to that one. It matters. Will you do what it takes to reach just one more kid? Will you do what it takes to reach just one more generation? No matter how old you get and no matter how gray you get, will you do what it takes to reach this next generation for the Lord? I believe this. I believe that Christianity may be just one generation away from extinction. Christianity may be just one generation away from extinction if we don't reach this next generation for the Lord. Let me give you some basic statistics. I've been youth pastor here for a year, but before that, I was pastoring out in Kendallville, Indiana, which is about an hour east of here. And uh, we were right downtown in Kendallville, the church I was at. And uh, it was part of the East Noble School District. Uh, because East Noble is such a kind of big school district as far as land's concerned, 80 to 90% of our teenagers uh, came from the East Noble School District. And so I wanted to know how many teenagers in our school district are going to church on a Sunday morning? How many of them are actually involved in a good Bible-believing church or in a good youth program? And so what I did is I went to every single church in the East Noble School District. 
I knocked on their door. I gave them a phone call and I asked them two questions. Question number one, how many teens on average do you have in your church on a Sunday morning? Question number two, if you have some type of youth program, how many teens on average do you have in that youth program? And this is what we found out. There are approximately 1,800 kids that were in the East Noble School District. That was middle school and high school. On a Sunday morning, on average, 189 teens would be going to church on a Sunday morning. That is approximately 10% of the entire teen population was going to church. When I asked them how many kids are involved in some type of youth program or youth group, that number dropped down to 127 teenagers or approximately 7% of the entire teen population was involved in some type of disciple-making youth group programming. I asked our teenagers the same question. We have teens from over six different school districts. And I asked them the question, how many of your classmates do you think on average uh, actually have a relationship with Jesus or are going to church on a Sunday morning? The highest that a teenager said was their school was 15%. The lowest was between three and 5%. So if you take the average, approximately 10% of the entire teen population, probably in this county, at least Northern Indiana, goes to church on a Sunday morning. Will we do what it takes as a church to reach just one more teen in just one more generation? No matter how old we get, no matter how gray we get, will we have that passion to pass the baton on to that next generation? And will you do your part in helping us as we try to reach this next generation? Uh, Let me give you some things uh, to kind of encourage you guys uh, when it comes to reaching this next generation for the Lord. Some things that uh, you can do uh, to help uh, as a church. It takes an entire church to reach this next generation. It's not just Pastor Dan's job. It takes an entire church. Uh, Let me give you a couple things that will help you out. First off, uh, parents, grandparents, don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, Your students do love you. Uh, Think about this. The perfect parent was God. God was the perfect parent and he had two children, right? He had Adam and Eve. And so you have the perfect parent, God, and you have two children in a sense, Adam and Eve. And what did Adam and Eve ultimately do to the perfect parent? They rebelled against the perfect parent. And so we, or you may be an imperfect parent and your children will disobey you and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay because what I've learned about teenagers is that they are some of the most forgiving group of individuals that I know children and teenagers are some of the most forgiving people that I know for instance my first youth group here um, when I came on board in August Uh, First youth group that I was in charge of. Uh, We played a game, and this is for junior high. We played a game, and uh, it was a game that you run around outside. We have two. We had two kids kind of you know run into each other, and one one girl scraped her head, and so she was bleeding. And so we had to go and you know uh, help her out. So here I am, you know, it's my my first Wednesday, and we already have two kids that are are injured, and uh, so I get someone to help them, and I'm I'm already like you know kind of you know trying to figure out like, oh my goodness, what, you know, people aren't going to, what's going on? And so uh, we had that happen. And then we go to the, we go into the link and we're trying to do some programming. And I do like this really cool event that I thought was gonna be a hit. And the kids look at me like, you're dumb. 
this is, this is stupid. <laughs> and so here I have a couple of kids that, you know, they're okay. There's a scratch on her head, but there, you know, the, the, there's a little bit of bleeding. And we, I try to do some things that I thought would be cool. And they're like, that's stupid, you know? And I thought to myself, there's no way next week that we're like, anyone's going to show up. You know, that was like the, like the worst youth group activity I've ever been a part of. Next week, we had more kids than the first week, you know? They're some of the most forgiving uh, individuals that I know. Um, in a, na- a nationwide research, they asked teenagers, if you could tell your parent one thing, if you could tell your parent one thing, what would it be? 95% of teenagers, teenagers said, I want to tell my parent that I love them. Your kids, ultimately, they do love you. It might be hard for them to communicate that, but they do love you. You, you as parents are doing a better job than you realize. Here's another thing I want to encourage you with. Stay involved and connected with students. Stay involved and connect with students. Whether you're a parent, uh, an older adult, stay involved and connected with students. It'll, it'll, make, it'll make you younger. Um, some research has shown this. The average, uh, the average father, average male father who has kids, on average spends eight minutes a day with personal direct contact with her kid. Eight minutes a day. And it gets a little better on the weekends, 14 minutes on the weekends. Here's my point. Spend time with your kids. They've also done research. If you have a little girl, it's, it's, it's huge and important to give her appropriate physical touch, the high fives, the hugs, and those type of things. They say it's most important when your girl is 11 years old, the pre-puberty stage. That's kind of awkward for dads. Oh, 11-year-old girl, it's like she's turning into a woman. I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Let me encourage you. Give her those appropriate hugs and high fives because if you don't do it, a couple of years down the road, a guy who you don't want to will be trying to do that to your girl. Make sure your little girl knows that daddy loves her. Spend time with your kids. Invest in the kids. And if you're not a parent or grandparent, spend time, get, get involved in a ministry where you can invest into the next generation. Spend time with young people. The biggest thing that you can do and that I want to encourage you though, this is where the battle is going to be won or lost. This is where the battle is going to be won or lost when it comes to the next generation. It's this point right here. Not only spend time with them, but invest, invest relationally into students. I believe this. I believe Christianity is the biggest game of follow the leader that there is. Think about it. It's the biggest game of follow the leader there is. You have Jesus who we're ultimately supposed to be following and so, but you're probably looking at a role model. Kids look for role models and they're following them. People follow people. That's the way the game's played, right? People follow people. And so people are following you. They're looking to your example. Young kids, children, teenagers are looking for people to follow and they're looking for people who, are, who will invest into them. There's some research that has been done um, as far as students who grow up in the church, how once, as soon as they graduate, whether they're really walking with the Lord or not, on average, two out of three kids that grow up in the church, these are kids who actually grow up in the church, uh, whose who parents are part of the church. Two out of three of those students will walk away from the Lord during their college years. And so they try to figure out what, what can we do to help this next generation of young people walk with the Lord. And so they, they, we, there's a chart that I'm going to put up on the, the big screen. This is the dropout chart. This is the number of teenagers. Remember, these are teenagers that grew up within the church. The number of teenagers who had godly influences investing 
into their life. If there were zero adults investing in the life of a teenager, there was an 89% chance that teenager would walk away from the Lord as soon as they got to college. An 89% chance. If there was one adult, there was a 76% chance. So we're decreasing. Two adults, 68%. Three to four adults, 59%. Five to six adults, 57%. Seven or more, 50%. The more adults that are investing into the life of a teenager, the better chance that teenager has of walking with the Lord in college. Will you reach just one more person? Will you reach just one more generation? No matter how old you get, no matter how gray you get, will you do what it takes to reach the next generation? I promised myself three things that I want to do um, within my ministry career. Uh, number one is I want, to care, I want to care and have a heart for lost people, people who don't know Jesus. I want to care for people who are needy, who, de- who really need that help. And thirdly, I, I want to care for people, for young people. Will you do what it takes to pass the baton on to the next generation? I believe that every person should be investing into someone uh, who is more spiritually immature than they are. Uh, to spend some time with them, invest with them, pass on spiritual truths with them. And let me encourage you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Thessalonians is in the New Testament. And here's Paul. Paul is speaking with a group of people, the church of Thessalonica, and he wants to impart some, some encouraging words to them. And he, he's talking about how much he cares for them, uh, how much he loves them. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, he writes these words. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8 says this. Paul says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We wanted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So many times we think sharing the gospel is just, I'm going to share it and then that's it. Wipe my hands off. I'm done. See, when we share the gospel with people, it means that we need to be invested into their well-being. It means that we need to give them and be a part of their very lives. There's a relational component to the gospel. Not only are we supposed to share it, we're supposed to live it. We're supposed to act it out. We're supposed to be reaching the next generation for the Lord. Uh, Do you have somebody, someone that is younger than you, that you have an opportunity to invest into that next generation, to be building them up, to be encouraging them? Uh, Let me encourage you to do that. Some of you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Dan, awesome stuff. I mean, you're, this is great stuff. We need to reach the next generation. But how do I do that? I, I mean, like teenagers are, are pretty intimidating. Even kids are intimidating. Like, I'm not hip. I got a bum hip, but I'm not hip. I don't know how to talk to young people. I, I, this, is, this is hard to do. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? How am I, how am I supposed to do this? Let me give you a couple things to encourage you. When I was pastoring in Kendallville, I saw that there was a huge disconnect from parents trying to reach their children as well as their teenagers. And so we offered this class. Was some, I just called it a parenting class. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. At the time, I was a single youth pastor trying to oversee a parenting class. You want to talk about in over your head. Holy cow. 
So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do a whole lot of teaching. It was going to be much more like a forum type of discussion thing. But I wanted to know how can we encourage these parents? How can we, it just wasn't parents. It was people who just wanted to invest in the next generation. How could we kind of help them um, know how to invest and, and relate to, to young people? And so our first class, this is what we did. Uh, it was huge. We had people everywhere because people want to know, how can I, how can I relate to my, my young people? Um, and so what we did is I passed around a note card. Everyone took a note card and I had them write down their top two areas where they were either worried, where they were concerned, or they just wanted to talk a little bit more about. Now, for me, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, we might have like three or four like main themes that I can kind of focus on, make it really easy for me. Uh-uh. We split up into 17 different categories of where people wanted help in relating to their kid or to their teenager. It's a different animal than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I went back at some of our discussion questions. These are some of the ones that parents, people who want to invest in the next generation, these are some of the questions that they had. How do I properly discipline my kid? How do I stay connected with my kid? How do I get my child to listen better? How do I teach and develop responsibility? Dating. How to keep up to date with youth culture. I have, I'm, I'm worrying about my kid. How do I focus on doing a better job at that? Uh, how do I deal with emotions, especially preteen and teenager? Teenagers don't have emotions. What are you talking about? Um, safety. Uh, how to get teenagers to follow your example. Uh, when, it, when it comes to reaching this next generation for Jesus, there are a plethora. There's a myriad of different issues that parents, that teachers, that people have to go through. But if we're really serious about reaching young people, reaching children, reaching teenagers, then we need to do our best and that we need to do our homework and figure out how we can reach this next generation for the Lord. It's all about reaching just one more person, just one more generation. No matter how old you get, no matter how gray you get, do you want to see God do some great things in this next generation? Let me give you some things to keep in mind when you're working with young people. These are some things that will help you when you want to work with young people. Here's the first one. First thing, a teenager's brain is still developing. Help them to connect the dots and be patient. A teen's brain is still developing and help them to connect the dots and be patient. Um, I've been doing a little research on brain research. Yes, I'm a loser. It's okay. You can laugh at that. And some, brain re- what, some cool things about brain research that's coming out is that uh, the frontal lobe where judgment and decision-making happens, it doesn't develop, fully develop until the early 20s. And so you have teenagers or young children, teenagers, their brains aren't fully developed. And I'm going to take a brief aside and say this. Teens, you cannot use this as an excuse for getting into trouble. I'm sure you, just, you can't do that, okay? Don't do that. Parents, this teaches you I need to be patient with my teenager. I'll be honest with you. In working with teenagers, sometimes a teenager will do something and I'll ask them, why would you do that? And they'll look at me. I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. Like, what were you thinking? I don't know. I mean, I just did it. You know, it just seemed like a good idea. 
help them be patient with them and connect the dots. Help them connect the dots and understand their decision-making. And here's the other part when it comes to brain research. The areas in the brain that uh, when people take risks, there's that high risk reward, that adrenaline rush, there's that, that pleasure mode that is highly active during the teenage years. And so you have this deadly dynamic duo where kids are still learning how to make decisions and they get a high pleasure out of that high risk and reward. Make sure you help them connect the dots and be patient with them. Teenagers, don't go home and say, Pastor Dan said my brain's still developing, so therefore I can do what I want. doesn't work that way. Let me encourage you, help your kids think through that process, though, that decision-making process. They're still developing. They're still works in progress. And make sure you're patient with them as they're going through that process. Here's the second thing. Not only is a, teenage, a teenager's brain still developing, uh, but when you're working with them, man, you have the opportunity to help set a student's direction for the rest of their life. You have the opportunity to set their course, their direction for the rest of their life. Uh, adolescence is a pretty recent phenomenon. Uh, I, I was looking online and trying to do some research. The first time the word adolescence was mentioned was the early 1900s. It wasn't until the 1950s when they started studying it. And so this is, this is uh, what they studied. Was a, 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 um, they came up with a human uh, growth development in different stages when people develop. In the 1950s, they, they said there, there, and it's kind of, a lot of this has been confirmed today, there are eight different stages to human development. Five of those happen between a, when a kid's a child and a teenager, and six out of eight happen by the time uh, the kid's about ready to graduate. So the majority of our, of our human development, what we know as far as meaningfulness, purpose as individuals, 75% of that happens by the, when, the time, when a kid is a child and a teenager. And what they found out is, is as, as kids are going through these different levels, if something traumatic happens or they're not able to, to fully get through that next stage, it stunts their growth. And so therefore you have older people who are thinking at a, 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 a lower stage. For instance, um, some of you, you know, as far as psychology is concerned, there's that you know, famous question where a psychologist you know, sit in his chair and he asks the question, so tell me about your childhood. You ever hear that? You know, that's like the age old, like, you know, big question. What he's trying to do is he's trying to pinpoint the area in which your kid uh, or which you um, had stunted growth. And he knows that if he can help you get through those stages, that he can push you, put you in the right direction. See, here's the cool thing. When you're working with teenagers, you're working with kids, you can help them get through those stages in a godly fashion and you shape their direction for the rest of their lives. You have an awesome opportunity to do that. And some of the things you did when they were children, some of the things you did when they were teens, it'll, they'll be doing it when they're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. How awesome. What a privilege it is to invest into the next generation. Proverbs 22, verse six says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he should not depart from it. Uh, I like this translation. It says, train up a child in the way he should go according to his natural bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, I work with teenagers and it's, it's amazing how you have a family, say you have a family of three or four kids and you have like twins or kids that are close to birth and they're like completely different. 
It's like, you have the same parents, like you had the same upbringing, but you're like completely different people. Like how in the world did that happen? You know? The beautiful thing about working with young people is you get to see their giftedness, you get to see their talent, and you get to set them on a direction for the rest of their life. And you get to build them up to how God has created them to be. What an awesome privilege that is. Will you do what it takes to reach just one more person? Will you do what it takes to reach just one more generation? No matter how old you get, no matter how gray you get, will you have a heart for young people? I believe this. I believe that your greatest unfulfilled need as a child becomes your greatest fear as an adult. Your greatest unfulfilled need as a child becomes your greatest fear as an adult. Guys most want to be recognized for what they do and they most fear failure. Girls most want to be valued for who they are and they most fear rejection. We have adults who have gone through some pretty traumatic things as kids and teens and you can think to yourself, man, that's, that's why I have that fear. That's why I have that unfulfilled need. When we invest in the next generation, we have an opportunity to bring them up and to train them and set a direction for the course of their entire life. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, my grandfather, his name, I, I call him Papa. And uh, his name is Joseph Mario Cosentino. So if that's not Italian, I don't know what is. All right. He's as Italian as Italian as they come. He was born in Italy. Uh, born in Italy when he was 16 years old. He, he came across um, and uh, settled in the United States, settled in the Pittsburgh area. Um, and he, did, he developed a trade. Uh, he became a custom tailor. And he became a very well-known custom tailor. Uh, he's made suits for famous Pittsburgh people. Willie Stargell, Roberto Clemente are a couple of baseball players, some, uh, some pretty high up po- uh, politicians. Um, became a pretty big deal when it came to tailoring and getting, being known. But when you get to know like my grandpa and you get to know where he's at the heart level, he's, he's a different guy than you think he'd be. You see, my grandfather was born in Italy, and his father left him. And it was just his mother and his two older sisters that pretty much raised him. And so to this day, he cannot figure out how a heavenly father will stick with him and who will love him. He's slowly, he's slowly fading as far as his health is concerned. He has something called pulmonary fibrosis, which is scarring of the lungs. Uh, it means he's having trouble breathing, trouble uh, getting an appetite to eat. He's losing about a half a pound a month. Right now he's under 90 pounds. He carries these pictures in his back pocket that are really meaningful to him. And all the pictures are from when he was a kid or a teen in Italy. And a lot of them represent a traumatic experience that happened to him. He's an extremely, extremely bitter man. In fact, my wife has said, I think he's the most bitter man that I know. And so our family is doing everything we could to pray with him, to communicate with him. We love you. God loves you. But he's still holding on to his bitterness because it happened when he was a, he was a child and when he was a teenager. On the flip side of that, the only reason why I'm standing with you today is because I had a godly youth intern 
when I was a teenager and I was dealing with some things when I was a sophomore in high school, he said, I will do what it takes to reach you. I am here anytime you need it. I will pray with you. I will talk with you. It's because of him that I'm a full believer in Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity to reach the next generation. Will you do what it takes? Will you reach just one more because it's worth it to that kid? Will you reach just one more generation? No matter how old you get and no matter how gray you get, will you do what it takes and have a heart for this next generation? Here's another thing to remember when it comes to teenagers. This one I'm sure most of you can can relate to. Teens want to be more independent and are forming their, their own identity, right? Teens, teens uh, want to be more independent and they are forming their own identity. Uh, in a, a research nationwide on teenagers, they asked them this question. When you disobey your parents, are you doing it because you're trying to assert yourself a little bit, trying to, you know, become a little more independent, uh, establish your freedom, or are you just being downright disobedient and rebellious? Which, which one ultimately is it? 90% of teens said when they, when they disobeyed their parents, they were simply just trying to assert themselves and they're trying to kind of flex their muscles and uh, be a little more independent. We as parents need to recognize this and get godly individuals to help us as our teens going through some of these independency stages. And teens are also starting to form their self-identity. The only identity they know is their parents. So of course they're gonna buck whatever their parents are. You need godly adults, godly people to come alongside you as parents and continue to invest in your kids because your kids are developing their freedom and their, their, self, their sense of self-identity. Will you do what it takes to reach the next generation? Will you do what it takes to build relationally into young people? This is the biggest way that anybody, whether you're, you're direct contact with kids or not, can really impact them. And that is to have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ because your kids will notice. I believe this. I believe young people, teenagers can spot a fake a mile away, right? They're good at those discrepancies. Well, you said this and you let my brother do this, you know? That, teenagers are good at that type of stuff. They will spot a fake a mile away and if your relationship with Jesus isn't real, they're gonna know it. You're, you're not gonna pull the wool over young people's eyes. They will know it. Is your relationship with Jesus authentic or is it a cheap imitation? Are you trying to pull the wool over their eyes? Uh, I've got a a basic illustration that I would like to share with you guys uh, concerning what it means to be authentic and what it means to be a cheap imitation. Um, Who here likes food? Anyone like food? Main link, anyone likes food? Okay, so we got a couple things uh, that I'm gonna go through. Hopefully you guys woke up and you had breakfast, right? Hopefully everyone got breakfast. Is anyone's favorite breakfast, Cap'n Crunch berries? Anybody? Three people, okay. Cap'n Crunch berries. This is the real deal, right? This is Cap'n Crunch bear. It's authentic, it's genuine. Or you can get the cheap imitation, which happens to be wild berry crunch. So you can get Cap'n Crunch berries or you can get wild berry crunch. The question is, is which one are you? Are you authentic, genuine, real? Are you some cheap imitation? Because people are, people are going to sniff that. People are going to sniff that out. Um, it's a time of year when there's picnics. You guys, hopefully you guys are going to have like a barbecue, something like that. Hopefully you guys could do that. Well, if you need that, you need chips. And some of my favorite chips are Ruffles, right? Ruffles. Or you can go with a generic brand and you can get wavy. <laughs> you can get wavy chips, right? 
You just get the wavy tap. I didn't know there was much of it. I mean, what, I guess there's a difference between ruffle and wavy, wavy right? Ruffle, wavy, ruffle. Are you authentic in your walk with Jesus? Are you wavy? Are you generic? <laughs> that's, that's my question for you. Here's, here's another one. I went through the, the pop section and uh, there's all kinds of fun generic pop in there, right? And so we got Dr. Pepper, the good stuff. 23 flavors, right, ladies and gentlemen? The real deal. They didn't pay me to advertise, by the way, but I am. 23 flavors, Dr. Pepper. Are you Dr. Pepper? Are you Dr. M? (laughs) Dr. Pepper? Are you Dr. M? I'm going to be honest with you. Hopefully no one works for the company that makes Dr. M. I had this a couple days ago. Not good, okay? And also there's some like emotional baggage going on because the last time I went to, to a Dr. M, it wasn't a pleasant experience, okay? So like, make sure you, you think about naming things the right way. Dr. M, yeah, it's, it's rough. So the question is, are you, are you Dr. Pepper? Are, are you authentic in your walk with Jesus? Or are you a Dr. M? Young, young people will know. Young people will know. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. When it comes to working with teenagers, people think that you have to be all kinds of hip, all kinds of cool. I am not hip. I am not cool. I have zero style. In fact, my wife says, you have no style. And when your wife says it, you, you don't have any style, okay? Young people, children, and teens, more than anything else, they will remember your authentic walk with Jesus Christ. As a kid growing up, I knew my parents loved Jesus because I would get up early in the morning and my dad was praying to that Jesus and my mother was singing to that Jesus. It was real. It was authentic. And no matter how hard I tried to buck that, I don't want to believe that. It was real to them and it made all the difference. Are you authentic in your walk with Jesus? Or are you some type of cheap imitation because your kids are going to know it and they're going to call you on it. Will you do what it takes to reach just one more person? Will you do what it takes to reach just one more generation? No matter how old you get and no matter how gray you get, it takes a church to reach this next generation and will you be a part of it? Let's pray. God, just so thankful that we have an opportunity uh, to reach this next generation for you. Help us to be people that are authentic in our walk with you. Uh, help us to be individuals that are not cheap imitations. Uh, help us to do whatever it takes to reach young people with the gospel and to see them grow. Uh, may the cry of our heart be to reach just one more person to reach just one more generation so that we in turn can see another generation and then another generation see and walk with you. May we do uh, what it takes and, and help us to, to, to be broken and molded uh, to be as authentic and God-fearing individuals that we can uh, and help us to do that to the best of our ability. And we do pray for this next generation. Maybe a generation that loves and that fears you and declares your promises boldly. And uh, that is the cry of our heart. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Here's the part of the church. We need to go and do it. So go and do it this next week. We'll see you back next Sunday.